Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Father, thank you so much today. We thank you as we get into your word today, Lord, that you help us, Father, to, to uh, get into the word and it, uh, you open it up, Father, that it becomes revelation knowledge father that we have understanding and enlightenment and and understand what your word says father and we thank you for that lord and we give you all the praise and glory for that in jesus name amen so if you've been with us we're on a series right now it's called uh, provision principles and of course this series it's our desire you know and everything we do, do here it's always a desire that we help bless establish and educate people concerning the Bible so that's what we're doing so the first three weeks just a real quick review week one we looked at spiritual and material wealth and we just did a contrast between spiritual and material wealth we did a contrast between the old and the New Testament and notice that then week two uh, we talked about that money and things will never satisfy us that's not where we get our satisfaction. It's just not going to happen no matter how much you have. You're just never going to be satisfied. Only Jesus can satisfy us. Uh, but on the other side of that coin, then week three, that we saw last week when Patsy ministered, that God is our source, that he has the ability and he has the desire to provide for us. So even though we can't get satisfied with it, God still wants to meet all of our needs and he wants us to have abundance and have all of our needs met. So today we want to get into something that's uh, really shocking. I, I worked on Wednesday on what I thought I'd preach today, and then yesterday I got a whole different message, but who knows what I worked on Wednesday might work next week, so, or the week after, because we got Carolyn Leaf next week, but might be a little bit ahead there. But this just came yesterday, we, you know, we, at men's prayer we were praying, and this happens often at men's prayer, we get praying, and we're and the Lord starts speaking and I just write down and then I just go home with all my notes and start working on it. So it just came into my heart, this phrase came into my heart yesterday, praying with the guys, and that's connecting the purposes of God to our lives. Connecting the purposes of God to our lives. And just as an example here, I, I, I grew up, I wasn't a born again Christian. You know, I grew up in a denominational church, but I wasn't saved. And I live like the devil, I'm telling you. And I, I live with all the gusto you could live. So like, you know, I kind of have that thing. If you're going to live, give it all. So now I live, I give everything for Jesus now. But I, when I, before I was saved, I, I should have got killed a number of times because of getting drunk and my behavior and driving and drinking and fighting and, and going out and all that kind of stuff. But I'm alive and you guys, you have to tolerate me. No, <laughs> but here I am. <laughs> But uh, so I get saved, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, when you get saved, like how can you connect like God's purposes and life, my life, and, and how to get those two things connected? Well, it's really hard to put into words, but it just kind of happens. So here's an example. Like I got saved, and as soon as I got saved, my first goal was that my mother and father and the rest of my brothers, they needed to get saved. So my first thing is like winning people to the Lord. It was like... I got saved and I had this new purpose now I need to make sure that my mother and father and the rest of my brothers get saved because I don't want them to go to hell and it's just that kind of love 
that I had, that God's love gotten me, and I thought my family needs to get saved. That was my number one goal. But it's like connecting purpose. I, the purposes of God got in my heart. Okay? And then after, like, I start under, I heard somebody teach the word, and then I started to, I could sit down with somebody and I could share what I learned in the word, like sharing God's word with others. It's like connecting the purposes of God with our life. And then healing, like, I found out that. If you're a Christian, whoever believes can lay hands on the sick. And I thought, wow, I can actually, as a Christian, lay hands on the sick. It's like God's purposes. I understand them, and they're connected to my life, and I go, like, do the purposes of God. It brings so much more to life when you have purpose like that. And then even lifestyle. Like, I lived like the devil, and then I got saved. And now, as a Christian, you know, it's like I'm a different person. Where, you know, and you guys know my story, you that come often, you've heard it probably at times where every other word out of my mouth was a cuss word, and I was like a miserable person, and then I, and Jesus, then I accept Jesus as Lord, and all of a sudden now, now that's my story. My oldest brother was completely different than me. My oldest brother got a job at an early age. He was uh, more, he, did, he wasn't a troublemaker in school. He was more educated than me. He didn't think, he, he didn't think he needed God. So when I told him, hey, I just accepted Jesus and you need, he goes, what do I need him for? He goes, everything's fine. He said, you're the one that, you're the one that had trouble. I don't have any trouble. What do I need him for? And I thought, whoa, you know, it's like, what am I going to tell him? He only really did one thing wrong. Between the two mattresses on his bed, he had these books stuffed in there. I knew his secret, but that's all he did. So he, and he, and I told him, what about those books? You know, he goes, that's all I do. He said, you were a lot worse than me. So he, my oldest brother has been serving the Lord now for 36 years. He did get saved. Just had to do a little bit of work on him. But he, so my story can be totally different than your story and so on. But that's my story. And so I just know when he came into my life, it changed me radically. So that last thing, if you put it up there, it's like lifestyle where he says, be holy as I am holy and all of a sudden now I there's this like connecting the purposes of God there was a different thing happening in my life where it did matter to me when I was out in public I, I didn't want to cuss and I didn't want to like have cuss words coming out every other word I wanted to be holy like him so with all that in mind as this came into my heart for today for Christians it's really important then to connect money to the purposes of God for our lives you know, you, you, you got somewhere along the line, if you don't do that, you'll always like thinking, oh, uh, got to hear about money. Why do they take an offering every week, you know? And, and I could understand, you know, my story, as you just heard, I, I lived like the devil. I got saved, and I was so happy. And then you, you guys that heard the story, I, we thought we have to find a church, so we just got the yellow pages. I lived in a town of 55,000 50, 55, people. We got our yellow pages out, start looking at churches, and I found a church, there was an Italian name, you know my story, and I told my brother, hey, there's actually another Italian that's not, he's actually, there's another born-again Christian Italian. We're not the only ones. Because we thought, whoa, like we're Italians now, and we're like born-again Christians. We're like in rebellion right now because we are going a different direction than all of our fellow Italians. So then we're looking in the yellow pages, and we find an Italian name that pastors a church that wasn't in our denomination. So thought let's go there so we went and it happened to be a Pentecostal 
church with a lot of Italians, of course, too, you know. So I, I'm, I'm like on my honeymoon so happy about finding Jesus in my first church service that wasn't in my denominational church. I hear this word, it was the word tithe, T-I-T-H-E. And I thought, tithe, never heard that word my whole life. I was only 23 at the time, but I never heard that word before. Tithe, what's that? So after church, I asked somebody, I said, you guys use the word tithe around here like everyone's familiar with it. I never heard that. What does tithe mean? So they said that word means tenth, 10%. And I said, so when you talk about the tithe, you're actually saying that you guys give 10% of your money to God? And they go, yeah. And I go, man, don't mess up my honeymoon with Jesus here. I'm, I'm serious. I thought, I just, I, didn't I do enough already? I confess Jesus is Lord. What more do you want? <laughs> 10%. So, but I, I like to say this. If you really are, if you really accept Jesus as Lord and you get born again, it takes more than that to drive you away from the church. So I stayed. And that's just part of my story. But here's the thing. Like, if you don't know why there's a tithe, and you, if you can't believe it, and you can't buy into it, and you don't really, you can't connect purpose like money, God, purpose, my life. How does it all work together? Then it's really hard to be a participator in it. So today we want to look, look into some things. And if anybody's here and you've been having a hard time with it, I trust that what we look into the Word today will help you in this area. Okay? So this story that I just told you, that was 1979. This is, that's when it happened. So I was 23 years old in 1979, and I, that's the first time that I went to this church. It was in around the month of January of 1979, and we went to this church, okay? And I heard the word tithe. So I kind of got into the program pretty quickly. I was living with my parents, and I didn't have a lot of overhead. So when I, when I saw that tithing was good, I started doing it somewhere in 1979. So then now let's fast forward 30 years the year 2009, the Lord dealing with us, we were traveling ministers for over about 20, for 18 or 20 years we traveled and we didn't pastor. And here's what I want to say, because a lot of times people think, well, you pastor a church, that's just what you guys say. I start tithing in 1979 and I wasn't a pastor. And in 2009, 30 years later, I we, then we got married, we were still tithing. And even there were times, like I ran into tight times when I was younger, uh, like especially going to Bible school, where I couldn't tithe a couple, I wrote down and I did plus, another week plus, and I added it, and then when I had my breakthrough, I caught my tithes up. So I can say that for the last 30, for, thir for those first 30 years, before I pastored, I was a tither. So when I stand up here, just so you know, we've been pastoring seven years, been saved about 37 or 38 years, but it's only the last seven years that I'm a pastor, but I've been a tither for 37 years. So when I talk about tithing, it's not because I want your tithe, it's because I bought into it before I was a pastor, and I think it's important sometimes to say those things, because like sometimes people think, well, that's just what you do. Well, I was a Christian before I was a pastor, and as a Christian, I saw the value in tithing, okay? So here's like the, this phrase that came into my heart then about today. I discovered the purposes of God that connect money 
between God and man. That happened in my life. And that's what really, when you have that happen, you no longer become a critic concerning money in the body of Christ. You become a participator. And one older minister said, uh, said it this way. He said, the givers never kick, but the kickers probably never give. And so, like, at an early time in Christianity, like my first couple weeks, I became a giver and not a kicker, and I don't do any kicking, you know. Uh, I just, why, why, why? Because, why, why complain? Because, hey, when you put your seed into a ministry, into church, when you plant it, you want to say the right things about your money. And we're going to look at it here, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. But here's a few encouraging stories here modern-day tithers that were blessed so this 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 man started a small cheese business in Chicago and it failed miserably he moved I mean sorry he vowed to God that he would tithe after his failure he started up again he began tithing from from whatever sales he made he tithed off of it all his business grew into a giant his name is L I mean JL Kraft and he is the founder of the Kraft Cheese Company. And they're also the culprits that bought Vegemite. And he's even a bigger culprit to me because that his son or whoever it is now, grandson, owns the New England Patriots. And they are the arch enemies of the Pittsburgh Steelers, my team. So I refuse to eat Kraft cheese. No, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm just joking. But... <laughs> But anyway, his thing grew into a giant, okay? And then Henry P. Crowell, he bought a broken-down oats mill in Ohio. That's where I grew up in Ohio. We have a lot of farmlands in Ohio. And he vowed to God that he would tithe. So the small broken-down mill turned into the Quaker Oats Company. And I never knew Quaker Oats came out of Ohio. So there is something good that came out of Ohio. And then some... (laughs) Some other people, they began tithing before they became wealthy. So like William Colgate, Colgate toothpaste. Now, I, I kind of use Grant. You know, it's an Australian-made brand, but hooray for Colgate. But he, he, his company grew into a giant. He vowed to God that he would tithe. Uh, then there's J.C. Penney, a uh, big de- department store. Then there's H.J. Heinz, you know, Heinz Ketchup. These are all people that they said, we're going to tithe and their, their companies became, became, uh, became giant corporations. Now, the Heinz, like my football team, you know, their stadium is called Heinz Field. So they, you know, he, he's actually a better friend than I thought. And, then, and then, then there's Thomas B. Welch, if you've heard of Welch's grape juice. These are all people that their companies became giant companies, and they just said, we're, we're going to vow and we're going to become tithers. Now, in case you're sitting there with this question, what about people who don't tithe and become wealthy? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. So, so, so Proverbs chapter 15 and number 6, it says this. It says, In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income of the wicked. And so really when people make money the wrong way and they're not Christians and they're not tithers, they, and there's probably a lot of, lot, many of them out there that are very wealthy, but you don't really know how their life is and how, if, even if they have any kind of fulfillment or what's going on. But here's the thing, when God adds things to you, when you become wealthy in the Lord, the, there's even a scripture that says that he adds no sorrow with it. So there's like, the, there is, there's two major systems in the world. There, there is the system of the wicked 
the wealth of the wicked and that financial system, and then there is God's system, uh, the, the righteous system. You know, and it's just much better to get wealthy in God's system than it is to do it in the, in the other system, okay? And we'll maybe look into that as we go on. We've got a few more weeks left on this. So here's something very interesting. There was a new study that was done, and it, it's uh, called Christians Who Tithe Have Healthier Finances Than Those Who Don't. So I just kind of ran across this article, and I thought that caught my eye. I was doing some research, and I thought, well, i got to see what that is. So this article... It was, it's a recent thing. It said, the finances of Christian who tithe are generally healthier than the finances of those who do not. The report encompasses a survey that had 4,413 tithers from all 50 states in a variety of different churches and income levels. So, uh, of course, this survey was done in the states. I tried to find a, a one done in Australia, but no one has done one yet. So this one comes there, but it's all 50 states a variety of different churches and different income levels, 4,413 people, okay? So the new report takes a close look at the financial, spiritual, and giving practices of people who give 10% or more of their income to churches and charities each year. The researchers compared tithers to non-tithers using nine financial health indicators and found that tithers were better off in every category among the tithers, tithe, tithers, <laughs> tithers, for example, 80% have un, no unpaid credit cards. So that's amazing. The people that were tithing, 80% of them, their credit cards were all paid off. And even today, as I stand here, I can say that our credit cards are paid off. We, I've been tithing 37 years now. And, uh, and of course, there, there's, we don't drive a Mercedes-Benz or a Rolls-Royce or anything like that, but we're happy can tell you that God meets all of our needs our credit cards are paid off etc you know uh, 74% don't owe anything on their cars uh, 40, 48% own their homes and 28% are debt free you know and you might say well I've been tithing for a while and that's not true but you know payday comes yeah. payday will come yeah. don't faint don't grow weary don't quit so here's what the, the guy that did this, uh, Brian Clough is his name, here's what he said about the survey. He said, the weird thing is a tither looks at what, a, a tither looks at that and says to himself, well, I'm better off because I give. A non-tither looks at that and says, oh, they give because they're better off. And do you, you see what that's saying there? You can look at somebody that tithes and you, and, and you can think, well, they were in a position to tithe. I'm not in a position. But the tither looks at it differently. The tither says, I'm in this position because I chose to tithe. You know, and so they, even with those business guys that they said, one of them had the failure, and he said, I'm going to make a vow to God. I'm going to become a tither. And it, that, that could have very well made the difference for him. Okay, So uh, this Brian guy that did the survey, he says the fifth annual study reveals that 97% of tithers make giving to their local church a priority. And 63% start a tithe in between their childhood and their 20s. It also found that 70% give based on their gross income rather than their net income. And 77% give more than the traditional 10%. And so uh, there's a number of people. We just had somebody come up to us after the first service, after the 830 service. Somebody came up and Patsy mentioned last week about 
if you want to go on our website and find Mark Hankins and some stuff he taught at one of our conferences here. Well, somebody came up to me after the first service and I told him to write an email and send it because I like the details, but he just basically said he made a commitment to double tithe when Mark Hankins was here a couple years ago and he said his finances have more than doubled. He's just saying he is just like so much better off when he made that commitment. So there are some people that do more than the tithe, okay? Now, it's always been a thing, you know, because. As you know, like 37 years I've been mingling with Christians and, and listening to what people say. 30 of those 37 years I wasn't a pastor, so people would probably say things when you're not a pastor that they might not say to a pastor. So for 30 years I had other Christians talk to me and tell me things. And one of the big things is like, do you tithe off of your net or your gross? And if you really look at it, like how much is coming off, I just thought in the beginning, I'm going to do the gross. So I've, we've always been gross. We tithe off the gross. But in the end, it doesn't amount to that much difference depending on what, how much tax you take out. Uh, so those are just decisions you have to make. Of course, you know we're under grace. And so under grace, uh, under the law, they had no choice. God said, you will tithe. And under grace, we can make the choice out of our hearts. I made the choice under grace to become a tither 37 years ago. No one twisted my arm. I didn't get in a fight with anybody. And you guys know that attend here for many years, everybody that's been with us the last seven years, nobody twists any arms here. You're able to make your own decisions here. But it's a great decision if you decide to make it, okay, if you haven't already made it. Okay, so the benefits now of what we're talking about, it's like knowing the purposes of God. So we could say it's like, you allow God's word to form your beliefs. That's what, I, that's what happened in my life. I allowed God's word to reach, reach, you know, to just eradicate wrong beliefs and form brand new beliefs in my life. And then now I was able to connect the purpose of God. Like, why am I on the earth? And what is this thing with God and money? And so we want to look about that because it's important that we all understand that. It just revolutionizes you when you get that, okay? And this, this kind of like, I got this phrase yesterday, when you get like an understanding, uh, then it's, it's kind of like a rhyme. It's kind of funny in a way, but I don't think you'll probably, they didn't laugh in the 830 service, but it, we won't blast it if we grasp it, kind of rhymes, okay? In other words... <laughs> If you grasp it, you're not going to be blasting it. It goes along with your, if kickers sometimes don't give, but givers never kick, it's the same thing. When you have a revelation or an understanding or enlightenment, whatever you want to say, you won't criticize it, okay? So with that in mind, I just want to do a real quick thing here. I want to give you just like a quick study about tithing. You could go on just four weeks with that by itself, but this is just really quick. So before the law tithing was going on and, and here's an interesting thing tithing was documented under the law of Moses but practiced before the law of Moses okay so what does that mean well you don't really see any teaching before the law but you see that it was being done now maybe you're a new Christian and, and you might think well what's all this thing about the law and before the law after the law well the Bible has an Old Testament and it has a New Testament if you're a young Christian. And then in the Old Testament, there was a season uh, that happened. Genesis, that's the first book in the Old Testament if you're like a new Christian. And it's, Genesis means beginnings. So Genesis is the book of beginnings. And that's where it starts. And it, it, it even says, in the beginning, God made. 
That's how Genesis starts. That's the Old Testament. Well, then, as it began to go, as the years began to pass, God put a law into place. Uh, the law of Moses was put into place, okay? And this law, then, was to govern his people, the Jews, okay? So that law, when it came into place, and we'll just say something here coming up real quick, under that law, you had to tithe. It wasn't grace, so you had no choice. You had to tithe under the law, okay? But now before the law was put into place, tithing was going on, okay? So Genesis chapter 28 and verse 22, it says, And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth of you. That's Jacob. And I couldn't put large portions in verses because we don't have time. But that is Jacob. And Jacob made a vow just like those businessmen made a vow. And he vowed that he was going to tithe. So this is before the law. So we don't really know how this got into people and into their hearts. But way back from the beginning, uh, even before the law was put into place, mankind wanted to give a tenth to God. And, you, and we don't, well, I guess when we get to heaven, we might get a little insight on how that happened, okay? So then the law gets put into place, and in the law, during the law, Leviticus chapter 27, and there's a lot of other scriptures, but this is just like a summary or a synopsis out of Le Leviticus chapter 27. The word tithe, of course, means tenth. It's a Hebrew word, maser, and I don't even know if I pronounce that right, but that's not the main thing. And then the tithe... Of course, in Leviticus, it, it says there the tithe belongs to the Lord. So tithing, when they did that, it wasn't their money or their stuff because the Lord said it doesn't belong to you, it belongs to me. They were under the law. They didn't have a choice under the law. Okay, so it belonged to the Lord. They had to do it. And then also the tithe in the Old Testament was called holy. All right, and then... Uh, they, they also tithe off of all of their increase. And, and I, I have a brother that did, I never thought of this, but somebody like my brother is a pastor and somebody gave him an expensive watch. So he went to the jeweler and said, how much is that watch worth? And they told him, and he actually then put, he put, it, it, he's, he put uh, uh, you know, 10% into the offering on what his watch is worth. And he was telling me that, and I go, whoa, you know, you're really, like, doing it. <laughs> you know, I never thought of that. But he said, and somebody gave him a motorcycle, you know, they, everything that everyone gives him, he finds out how much it costs, and then he puts 10% into the church, uh, and he ties off of everything. So that's kind of what they did in the Old Covenant, okay? So the tithe then in the Old Covenant, that was a necessary step for God to be involved in their finances, and I believe for myself and my wife, Patsy, for us, we just know the tithe has been important for us. Now, just so you know, our church is a tithing church. And I, we traveled for 28 years, and we sat with a lot of pastors. And we've had pastors tell us, and I remembered, I put this in my, the back of my head there to remember. They said, boy, we wish we, be, we would have became tithing church before we grew too much because if you don't start it in the beginning it's really hard as a church to somehow switch over to be a tithing church 
And now they said, we're having trouble because we have our budgets and we, we're, we're spending everything and we, we can't make that step. And I thought, I'm going to remember that. So if the, we ever pastor, we'll become a tithing church. We'll build it into the foundation of our church. So that's basically what we did uh, back when Paul was doing our finances. We decided that we're going to become a, a tithing church. So we've been tithing. That's one reason and one way that we're able to do our Bible schools in Papua New Guinea because we just we use that tithe to make up the difference. We take a monthly offering up, but the tithe makes up the difference to do our Bible schools in Papua New Guinea. So that's we're able to do something by being a tithing church. Uh, so then uh, let's look at some scriptures here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11, it, it says... Um, and I, I don't know if I finished that thought, but we're a tithing church, and then we decided to tithe early on. That's what I was going to say. When we've got, we did it individually, but then when we got married, we continued. And so together we've been doing that. And then we have what you call Caminetti Ministries. So when we were traveling ministries, that's the, the nonprofit corporation that we formed to be traveling ministries, and it still exists. We don't really give a lot of time to it. We put all of our time here. But Caminetti Ministries is way over tithing. We're like 20 or 30% or, or something of, of what comes in there. That's what we've been doing with that for years. And it's just amazing how uh, you'd be surprised at the money we've been able to put into this church from Caminetti Ministries because the money poured into that because I believe it's because we give and God gives back that we've been able to put finances into the church. So we know that it works. And we could have used that money to buy like a house and all that other stuff, but our house will come. But we just know we've always put the house of God first. And we're really happy and we don't have any regrets for doing that. Uh, so Deuteronomy chapter 12 and verse 11, it says this. It says, you must bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your sacred offerings. And notice how it says tithes there. They had a lot of different offerings in the Old Testament, and really the New Testament is not that complicated. And if you go back and spend too much time, you get too complicated. The New Testament is simple. Tithe and offerings, it's real easy. But you notice there that they talked about bringing the tithes. So here's the part I want you to notice. To the designated place of worship. So notice how it was very specific there that the Lord said, this is where your tithe belongs. And then in Numbers 18 and verse 21, it says, as for the tribe of Levi, your relatives, I will compensate them for their service in the tabernacle. Instead of an allotment of land, I will give them the tithes from the entire land of Israel. So in case you don't know this, the Levites, they were the equivalent of pastors today where they took care of the tabernacle. And so the Lord is saying, now the Levites, you don't work a job and you don't get any land allotted to you and you're going to live off the tithe. And so the people in the Old Testament brought their tithe there and that's, that tithe was used for the work of God back then. So now we have uh, in the New Testament. So, But please notice the reason I'm doing this is notice how the Lord was specific on where the tithe would go. And then we also have a scripture that says, bring all your tithes into the storehouse. So even, you know, just being really honest with you guys, and, and trust that I don't offend anybody, but the, the entire tithe belongs in the local church. Now, I traveled for um, 10 years uh, with a, a man named Kenneth Hagan. He's gone home to be with the Lord, but he had a ministry that went worldwide and he had hundreds of pastors that followed him, and I had the privilege to serve him. 
I just thought it was very interesting when we were in a stadium of people with 10,000 people in a stadium and he he received all the offerings in our meetings and he said about the same thing every time he received an offering but I found it interesting when he got up he said we're going to receive our offering tonight and he said now and he then he said I he shared these things he said now first of all if you're here and you're a Christian he said your tithe belongs in your local church do not give me your tithe it belongs in your local church now he could have taken advantage of having 10,000 people in a stadium and said you can tithe to me but he never did, never one time. He said, your tithe belongs in your local church. And he said, that's where it goes. He said, but you can give an offering to me. Well, immediately he knew he would probably get less money by doing that, but God honored him for being, having such integrity like that. And so that's, we grew up under that kind of integrity. So we were traveling ministers for 28 years, and we never encouraged anybody to give their tithe to us for the whole time that we were traveling ministers because we grew up under that and we said your tithe belongs in your local church you don't split your tithe so what we've always done we always tithe to the local church but we give offerings above our tithe you know and that and that's what you do so i'm just you know so nobody is going to twist your arm but i feel like i want to say the truth and so that's what i'm doing so you can you can take it or not okay and then numbers 18 and verse 24 and says this it says because i have given them the Israelites' tithes, which I have been, which have been presented as sacred offerings to the Lord, this will be the Levites' share. That I, that is why I said that they would receive an allotment of land among the Israelites. Okay, so what you see there is the Lord is saying the tithe goes to the tabernacle and it's to take care of the Levites, and that's where you take your tithe. All right, all right. So with with that in mind, I, I want to just say a few other things. I thought another thing that I didn't really realize it even until like a couple weeks ago I told Patsy I said you know I never really realized the integrity that Kenneth Hagin had even just a couple weeks ago on this one area there was something he did and I guess you have to pastor for a while and you have to be amongst the people and you have to see how these things work in their life and you have to see their challenges and how they hear things because if you're a traveling ministry, you can come and say something and go, and you don't really know the effect that it has on the people, but when you live with the people, you can actually see what effect it has. So I never realized too recently, when, when Kenneth Hagin took all those offerings up, he said, now, he said, first of all, he said, if you don't give in this offering, nothing bad is going to happen to you. He said, your mother-in-law isn't gonna move in with you. You know, and he, 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 he used to, he liked to add humor in there, he was funny. And he said, your pet cat's not gonna die. He said, so you don't have to be concerned about that. We're under grace, so nothing bad is gonna happen to you. Because, but he said, and now if you give, he said, I am not gonna make this outrageous promise that you know, you're gonna have supernatural debt cancellation and all this other stuff happen if you give in an offer. He said, I'm gonna tell you what the Bible says. I'm gonna tell you if you give, it'll be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, will men give unto you? And he uh, said that I can tell you this scripture that my God will supply all of your needs. And he gave him what the Bible said and he didn't make any outrageous claims or promises. And you might say, well, I, I kinda like to get pumped up. But think about it, Christianity is for the long haul. And what, what effect does it have on people when you pump them up and put their expectancy here, even with things that aren't in the Bible, no scriptures to back it up, and then they don't have it happen and they get disappointed. 
And I didn't realize how much integrity he had and how he cared and loved the people even until recently. And so that's kind of what we grew up under, and that's really what we want to do. We're not here to take advantage of anybody. We're here to say what the Bible says. And so if we can all buy into it and buy into what the Bible says, it's the best way to go. It's not about hype. It's not about pumping you up. It's not about getting loud and dynamic and making you want to give everything at a certain moment, saying this particular offering, if you give in this particular offering, that, you know, it's Christianity's for the long haul. And it, it's a lifestyle. Does that make sense? Okay, so um, then getting over to the New Testament, uh, and we're running out of time here, there's two strong references uh, to tithing in the New Testament. Uh, and if you want to write this down, you can get online and look at the notes later. But if you, if you don't get online to look at notes, if you want to write down 1 Corinthians 9, 1-4, and then verse 7-14, to 14, that is a reference about tithing in the New Testament. And Paul is going back and quoting things from the law in the Old Testament. And if you understand what he's quoting, you'll understand that he's actually bringing that into the New Testament by quoting those things in, in, the, in Corinthians. But here's a scripture in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 8 that we'll look at because of limited time. And it says, Now at the present time, men over whom death, excuse me, has power, take the tenth. But then it was taken by one of whom it is witness that he is living. So it's talking about then and now. So at the present time, people that die, like, so I won't live forever, and whoever comes up here to receive offerings, none of, nobody in the flesh will live forever. People that die, they're taking the tenth now, the tithe, here on the earth. But then it says, but, but then it was taken by one back then of whom it is witness that he is living. That is a reference back to the Old Testament when Abraham came to Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is a type of Jesus. And so it says about Melchizedek that he didn't have a beginning and an end. Guess who doesn't have a beginning and an end? God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. They don't have a beginning and they won't have an end. They always were and they will always be. So this, this one is a reference to that. It's interesting that Abraham then brought the tithe, the tenth after a victory, and he brought the spoils and he, he gave a tenth to Melchizedek, who's a type of Jesus. So what that's saying is that that's in the book of Hebrews, and it's a reference to tithing in the book of Hebrews. So really quickly today, and I want to do, we got our chill and grill in the park. I'm going to give you five things real fast and see how fast I can do this uh, that I learned that changed my life when it comes to money, God, purpose, and all those things. So number one is this, that we honor and please God with our money, which is a very revolutionary thing. The way that I grew up, that you could honor and please God with your money. So Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Well, that was like revolutionary to me, that you could honor the Lord with your wealth. I never had that thought growing up the way I did. And then Philippians chapter 4 and verse 18, it says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you have sent. Now look at how this says it. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So it's amazing that how with money and finances that we can honor God and it's actually pleasing to Him. That's what... That's what the Bible says, and that's one of the things that began to change my beliefs. It erased the way that I used to think and replaced 
my thinking with right thoughts about money and God, and I was able to get the purpose connected on how it all worked together. And then secondly, uh, money can locate our hearts. And this is the what God decided to do this with money. So it, you don't have to be mad at the pastor, but you, when we get up there, ask him about it, okay? But in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 20, it says, lay, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Then look at verse 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you can locate even where you are with where you put your money. Now, we don't, you, you, checkbooks are no longer used, but did anybody grow up, did they ever use checkbooks in Australia? In case you don't know, Australia's ahead. They're, they're like, like if you go back to the States, they're a little bit behind. They still write checks out. It's like really, it's really weird going back there. And every time somebody says, I want to write you a check. I go, you use checks back here? But, you know, so Australia's kind of like way advanced where everyone does all these you know, wire transfers. But so because of that, you can actually go into your bank online and you can actually, if you want to, go through all your transactions and you can put categories on them. And then you can actually look in, at the categories and find out where all your money goes. But see where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You know, so you can actually find out where you spend most of your money and then find out really what's important to you. Okay, and so it's an interesting thing, but God d decided to do that. And then the third thing, is that money tests our hearts before God, okay? And, and look at this scripture in Luke chapter 16 and verse 11. It says, if then you have been not faithful in, unrighteous, in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? You know, God chose to do this, but how we, uh, first of all, our attitudes about money, like, and that's the thing, you know, like make sure you don't have an attitude about money. So it's your attitude about it, and then it's like even how you talk about it, and then how you manage your money. These kind of things, like it's not, I'm just saying what the Bible says, God did this, so there's just something about how we handle our money, our attitude, how we talk about it, and if we're faithful in that, we can be entrusted with things that are higher, true riches, that's what the Bible says, okay? And then number four, we can have, we can love Jesus back by tithing in other words we can return our love to him remember i said that that scripture uh, was a reference to melchizedek well here in genesis chapter 14 and verse 18 it says melchizedek king of salem brought out bread and wine he was priest of the most high god so melchizedek was a type of jesus isn't it interesting when abraham came that he brought bread and wine out we had communion today Communion is the wine is a symbol of the shed blood and the bread is the broken body It's very interesting then that Abraham gave the tithe of Melchizedek You can actually when you think about tithing think more like that Jesus died for me He shed his blood his body was broken and when I tithe I'm like loving him because he loved me Under the new covenant. We're, we're not it's not like a law, but it's a heart thing so I like to do tithing from my heart. Like, I, you, I, 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 I know what it was like. I was 23 years old when I got saved. I was like the devil, the way I behaved. He, he radically changed my life. I can say when I tithe, thank you, I love you. You gave yourself for me. I want to give a tenth back to you. And then number five, uh, money positions us to have our needs met. And that's a big one. It's not the only one, but it's a big one. Philippians 4.19, it says, My God 
will supply every one of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So the best way to be positioned all the time to have all your needs met is by giving. Now I want to say something. It's really important. Like everybody, that if you, you might give electronically, but it, how you talk about your seed is important. In other words, you can put your seed in and walk out the church doors and say, man, we're so tight. Money goes quicker than it comes. Just don't know if I'm going to make the budget this month. You know, and that's actually talking lack. Why don't you switch that around and say, money comes to me. I, I, when I plant my seed, money's coming to me. I have more money than I can spend. Why don't say that? Even if it's, even if it's not true. Why do you want to say money, uh, money goes quicker than it comes? Don't say, because like you're, work, you're working against your giving. Don't work against your giving. That's why it's so important to get educated on these matters. So you want to cooperate. You want your heart and mouth to cooperate with your giving. Talk in line with all that. So that's why it's important not to be a kicker and not to be a complainer. You want to be, use your faith and say the right things so that God, you're cooperating with God with giving and receiving. Okay? Father, thank you so much today for our time together, Lord. Just thank you, Father, and trust you, Father, that your word and what we taught today would be a blessing to everybody, Father. Uh, thank you, Father God, in advance for testimonies of people that have divine provision coming their way, Father, that uh, all of our needs will be met. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.